Hey guys, I know most of you tuned in this Saturday for our one-year episode, but to those of you who didn't, I just want to thank you again for being a Just Hands listener. Uh, Welcome to the first episode of our second year of existence. Also, this past Saturday, we announced our new membership program, which Zach and I uh, have been really enjoying. That membership program is a way for our listeners to you know, have more access to us and have more access to each other to get more great poker content and get their own personal questions answered. Uh, so we have three tiers to that membership. Uh, our first tier is the tag tier, uh, where you get membership to a Slack group, which is an awesome private message board app. It uh, works on your mobile phone and also in your browser. And that's, we've been having a lot of fun with that, the people who are already on that. We've got a bunch of threads going on right now, uh, and it's been really, really nice to connect with some of the listeners. Uh, we have another membership tier, the Lag membership, where you also get access to the Slack forum, uh, but you also get a monthly premium podcast as well as access to the archive of premium podcasts. And we're also going to have a bi-monthly Google Hangout uh, for the Lag members, uh, where you guys can get face-to-face time with Zach and myself as well as other members of the Just Hands team and ask us questions. And then finally, we have our GTO membership, uh, which is everything in the lag membership plus a 30-minute monthly lesson with Zach or myself. Uh, So we're excited to see you guys in the forums, in the Hangouts. Uh, To find out more information, you can head to justhandspoker.com slash membership. For the next month, we're actually giving away our tag membership of two months free, and you can get that by entering the coupon code just hands one year and that's spelled just hands the way it always is one the number yr so just hands one yr all right enjoy the episode thanks guys i i know jesse briefly when when we spoke on the phone like a few days ago you were saying that uh you know you're not playing that much poker these days you're trying to get into some other stuff so is is this the other stuff? Is there more other stuff? What are, what else? What other things are you trying to get into at this point? Yeah, so I've been really, really um, enthralled with startups and um, VCs and angel investors and just that whole world. Uh, I've been like listening to a bunch of podcasts and I just bought a bunch of books. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to the right guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh awesome. So have you guys listened to uh, this week in startups at all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was listening to. Um, I think it was called the startup. You guys listen to that. It's um, it's this guy who used to work for uh, uh, this American Life. He produced it, and he oh he the, start, the yeah. startup podcast startup yeah. yeah 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 yeah. So we were listening to that, and then I realized that this week in startups had like a series where they talked to Chris Saka and um, Matt Mazio. Oh yeah, that and was so great. I was like yeah I was like I got to listen to this, and then that got me into um, listening to the. Uh, the podcast where he interviews, uh, I think her name's Shavina Saroya, um, who's leading the like Chris's favorite project right now that he's invested in and he's on the board of. Mm-hmm. And then that got me into other stuff. And I went down like the whole rabbit hole of that. And uh, I don't know. I just think that um, like a lot of the skill set, not a lot of the skill sets, but some of the skill sets from poker kind of carry over to that, especially like the angel investing side of it. And um, I, I just got like the sense from these are very, very smart people um, that do this and are successful with it. And perhaps they're smarter than I'm even giving them credit for. But I never got the sense that it was 
something that was outside the realm of like what me or some of my friends could be doing. And it, it felt mm-hmm. like a, a bigger, more interesting game. Not, I mean, I think poker's ridiculously interesting. I guess I meant more like interesting in the broad sense of like it encompasses other aspects of the world than, you know, math and a little bit of psychology. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely broader in its appeal, uh, you know, than talking about the minutia of poker. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, there's, uh, there's the fact that you get to, I mean, I, I wanted to start my own business for a while because of this, but you get to be a part of something that's actually positive, like plus EV, if you want to say that for the world <laughs> where poker is like the zero sum game. And yes, we're providing a little bit of entertainment to like some recreational players, but for the most part, we're not really putting much out into the world for what we get. And so being a part of something that is positive and, and adding to the world would be, you know, a good feeling as well. Yeah. I think a lot of the good that comes out of poker is, you know, what people who have had success, you know, do with their winnings. We just had our, we're actually releasing this episode today with Gareth Chandler, who's, you know, funded a freelance journalism project uh, for himself that, you know, would have been totally impossible without poker and, you know, your success, I'm sure, will unlock doors for you to do things with the world that probably would have not been possible had you been, you know, working a typical nine to five job for the last, you know, seven years or whatever your uh, work life would have been so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, basically, like the first phase of any startup is getting enough um, seed money so that you can, you know, take time off your job and work full-time for your own company and that's something that i just get to uh like circumvent right uh, yeah because i don't need to pay myself a salary like i have enough saved up and everything so that's really cool and then on top of that i can uh, if i'm really excited about a project i can also uh, be very very nitty with giving away equity because i for the most part have enough to invest in my own company that i don't have to be just like giving out equity all the time in exchange for uh, funding. So you're not going to be on Shark Tank? <laughs> Actually, I always had this, uh, I mean, I, so my girlfriend and I uh, are obsessed with Shark Tank, and we've, we've, we've watched like every episode a couple times. Yeah, uh, I know that. I I know that. Yeah, you don't know anything about that, yeah. Jack, with your girlfriend, right? <laughs> so I always had this dream of going on Shark Tank with a, a company that's already doing well, is clearly going to do well, preferably have like some sort of patent or something, and then... Uh, letting um kevin start off his little spiel and then just being like well before you say anything mr wonderful i'm out wait (laughs) just kind of cold shouldering him you know one of my favorite entrepreneurs actually did that do you know who i'm talking about manish uh of pavlock wait a minute i think i do know what you're talking about so i've didn't he give him like a terrible offer and he just said i'm out or something like that well honestly the offer wasn't that bad but manish was just like i'm sorry kevin like I came on Shark Tank, like, did my research on, like, what you guys are about, and I just, like, am not interested in having you as a partner, personally. No way, are you serious? Yeah, so, not not oh, to burst your amazing. bubble, it'd still be epic if you do it, but uh, just look up, like, uh, Manish Shark Tank, or, um, yeah, uh, Manish Seti, and the, the company is called Pavlock, they make, uh, like, kind of wristwatches that shock yourself when you press a button, when you're kind of doing an undesirable action, and it helps you form positive habits and break bad habits and i've i've been using it for a while i'm a big fan jack uh 
is still a little skeptical about it, but it's, it's yeah, provided a lot of value, <laughs> provided a lot of value to me and a lot of other people helped, uh, you know, people break decades long habits of, uh, nail biting and smoking and yeah. So I, <laughs> you, you say those in the same breath as if like, those are <laughs> two habits that are equally worth like, <laughs> those are just like the two Being biggest shocked. examples I think in his like newsletters. So I'm a fan. Part of that. I missed this say? one. What, what season is this from? This was recent. This was like, I think like over the summer, I want to say. Okay. So this is the newest season. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, okay. maybe the previous season. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. I Cause think... I, um, it's been more difficult to stream them since like a couple of the major streaming sites went down. I have to like find reruns now on TV or whatever. I need to get TiVo or whatever is like the new TiVo. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, I'll check that. Yeah. out. There's also yeah. there's some there's something cool which like I I I don't personally have. Uh, I know my dad has it set up. It's called Slingbox, which is if you're like paying for cable, you can uh like record shows and access it from your computer anywhere in the world. Okay. Cool. It's yeah. Cool. I. I heard of a similar concept. I don't know if that was the that was the company or if it was a different company, but that's a really cool option. I don't know if I'm like a fish because I still have cable, but it seems like we're getting very very close to not needing it anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you could, you know, if I came in second in the main event and could uh, could afford cable, <laughs> <laughs> big fancy cable. No, I mean it's it's such a punt though because like, I mean the best the best chance. I mean. So sports is the reason why I still have cable, and I don't even watch that many. I watch, like, football on Sundays and, you know, some Mondays or whatever, and uh, and I watch, like, tennis when there's a big tournament. But besides that, like, you can now get HBO Go, which is, like, 80% of the reason why we have cables for HBO. Right. And then if, like, Shark Tank's on Hulu and some of those other shows. Have you guys watched The Prophet? Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't. I got to Oh, that, that's a really good show, too. You would like that? To... Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of that one. That guy's he's awesome. What's a really cool? like him? Man, we Profit. should have a double a double day TV watching. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> man. If you ever come out to Vegas, let me know. If we, I come out to uh, Vegas, we, we will... I think I'll probably leave. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we will we will be there, Jesse. We'll let you know. Uh, we'll be there in May. Cool. Uh, yeah, probably June. Yeah. Um. So it's a good time to be here. Jesse, it's it's kind of funny actually. You're talking about like, yeah, you're lucky to be in a position where like, you know, you don't have to pay yourself a salary and you don't have to give away equity. Um, so it's funny. I'm, you know, I don't know your exact financial situation. You don't know mine, but I think I could be pretty confident in saying I have significantly less capital for that. But I'm also trying to take a, you know, kind of a nitty approach with this, and that like, I live in. Um, like a small town in Ohio where I could keep my expenses really low, but I've, you know, the money that I've invested in like a startup, not related to this poker thing that I've been working on. It's kind of really just come out of the poker bankroll, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's this kind of weird thing where it's, you know, in in some ways, I, I mean, in many ways it's way riskier to put this money into like this business that I believe in that I'm getting good feedback for than to like gamble with it which when i explain that to like friends and family they're like are you crazy like you've been lucky enough to make money in poker you should put that in a you know put that (laughs) in a business but for me it's like i i see this like every i've taken like kind of two sizable chunks out of my bankroll for startup related things now and it's it just it seems unlikely to get that money back in the near future it's much more of like a kind of like tournament (laughs) buy-in 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, first of all, what are the are the startups something that you're working on, or are they other people's startups that you're just uh, like a silent investor in? No, it's like it's kind of like mine. I have a a, a partner who's a full time developer who's like doing some side work for it. That's really cool. Good luck. That's like really exciting. Thank but yeah, you. I I yeah. think that people in general are just like they have no idea that everything is much more of a gamble than they think. Like I remember when I uh, when I was in college, I uh, chopped a Sunday million, and uh, it was like by far the biggest score I had had by like a wide wide margin, and. Um, Everyone who heard about it, like my parents' friends, would always be like, oh, don't gamble with it. Like, don't play poker. Don't gamble with it. Put it in the stock market. Don't gamble with it. Put it in the stock market. <laughs> and I'm like, what part of the stock market isn't gambling to you? Have you ever looked at your statement and noticed that it goes up and down? Like, I don't know. It was just crazy to me. What, and then, what, uh, what year was that? It was like it was like 2007. So it was like <laughs> right before we had like the biggest hit to the stock market say, yeah, yeah. since the depression. And I was just like... And I, I still think that people were like, you should put it. I'm just like, it just, people just don't, I don't know. It's the, the whole concept, like that some things are gambling and some things aren't, is just so funny to me. And people just have these things very departmentalized in their mind. Yeah. There, there's actually a, a really great book that I read recently. It's called Red Blooded Risk, The Secret History of Wall Street by Aaron Brown, who's been a successful poker player and risk manager on Wall Street and he really just kind of breaks down a lot of the myths that like separate, you know, financial speculation and, you know, gambling in the context of poker. And just how much of, you know, how much of a gamble um like certain aspects of the financial industry are and how some things that people say are gambling aren't necessarily really any more so of a gamble than other things. Like a lot of people have the idea, and I, I think I certainly did before reading this book to some degree that like, you know, some of what Wall Street does is like great for market efficiency and then some of it is like speculation, gambling, and that stuff should go out because then that just puts undue risk on the American taxpayer and like what happened in 2007, 2008. But mm -hmm. after reading the book, the, there's not really this like clear line, you know? That's really cool. I'll check that out. I got four books that I need to read right now. Well, what, what, books? what books did you pick? Um... Let me go grab them because I don't know the titles off the top of my head. Cool. Hold on one sec. Um, so I'm just starting the Lean Startup by Eric Rice. Mm -hmm. uh, then I have uh, Traction by Gino Wickman, Blue Ocean Strategy, and Business Model Generation. No, I don't know the either of the last two. You read Traction? Yeah. How'd you like it? I liked it. I I read it at the same time as I was reading like some Seth Godin books and okay. ended up uh, like th that went over a similar a similar concept. Um and I forget the title. The, the Dip by Seth Godin, I definitely highly recommend. Um I'm trying to the, there was the other one. Uh Purple Cow. Yeah. It takes more of a marketing perspective, but it kind of just looks at like uh yeah, the how how one gets traction and the different issues entrepreneurs have to deal with in kind of the early stage. Purple cow. I'm like I'm googling that right now. That's Seth. Sorry, you say that was Seth Godin? Yeah, I'm I'm a really big fan of his. He's a uh, mm -hmm. he's been on a lot of like he's been on, like Tim Ferriss show, a lot of these kind of entrepreneurial type podcasts, mm -hmm. and I always I always he's like one of those people where it's like no matter what context I hear him in, I feel a little bit smarter after. Cool. 
Yeah, uh, four-hour work week was kind of how I got introduced to the whole, like, um, it was, like, my kind of, like, watching the World Series for the first time for business. Like, before that, I had seen Rounders, right? So I thought that poker was all about, like, like looking at your opponent and getting physical tells off him and knowing what he had. And that, like, didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And then the first time I watched the World Series, like, oh, there's, like, a lot of math in this. And it, it was, like, something that gave me a foundation and made sense. So, like, before reading 4-Hour Workweek, everything seemed, business seemed very, like, foreign. And, uh, like, there was just so much going on. And then he talks about, like, you know, field testing or market testing things before you even uh, have a product and stuff. And it, it, it just made a lot of concepts seem a lot more... Um, a lot less alien to me. Um, that was kind of a cool introduction and stuff like that. Yeah, I would say the four-hour work week probably played a similar role for me. At first, it took more the role of just thinking about lifestyle, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to like startup and just like how you can do this great lifestyle design, even not in the context of you know having a muse or having a startup. But yeah, then ultimately, I think for those, you know, I think this. A lot of our listeners, poker players, can relate to this. For those of us that are passionate about things, like working hard on the stuff we like to do, but you know have this anti-authoritarian streak and don't like working for others very much, I think the startup is kind of like the natural path. And because we have a you know a huge startup bubble right now, it you know it makes sense. Now's a good time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, I don't know. It's it's. Um when you said the startup bubble, like obviously that's a, a super real thing. So at the same time, um, you know the the costs of creating a lot of like especially tech startups is going down so much that it's gonna it's just like really interesting to see what the future of startups is gonna look like when people can create businesses out of their basement for very very little amounts of money. I don't know. I'm like a big believer in the internet just being like the coolest, like the best invention by leagues and leagues. Yeah, come up with. I think that's somewhat incontroversial at this point. Uh, yeah. So I have a question. You know, we've you've talked about getting interested in like the world of angel investors, uh, and then we sort of pivoted to talking about uh, starting your own business. But is are you looking to you know become an investor uh, in projects you find interesting? Well, that's yeah. So it's that's kind of interesting. Uh, the more I start reading and listening to podcasts, the more I realize I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So I guess my answer is like, I don't know right now. Um, I just mm-hmm. need to learn a lot more and figure out a little bit more about what I'm talking about. Uh, I know that I would like, I'm interested in being some part of that world. I don't know which side I fit into better. I would imagine the investing side just because of uh, what I do now. Um, the ability to like analyze risk and people. And uh, also I like, I, I, I think one of the reasons why I like 4-Hour Workweek so much is the idea that um, you could be a lot of places at once where you can you know, right. get a lot more work done. Than, and so like the investing side obviously lets you uh, be more spread out and more uh, more efficient to For some sure. extent. Um, one thing, when you were talking earlier about like advantages like a poker player might have in that market, it seems pretty clear to me that like you have – once you get on even footing in terms of like uh, just understanding that world, uh, you have two pretty clear advantages over people with like a similar amount of capital. Uh, and they, I mean, they're both direct results of being a poker player. One would be 
I think poker players are probably a lot more willing to embrace risk, especially good poker players. Mm-hmm. And also just like your age. I mean, of the people who have, you know, accumulated a similar amount of capital, like, you know, being younger is going to allow you to take more risks. So I think like in terms of being able to assume in both practically and just psychologically, you know, assume risk is could really give you an edge uh, in those markets. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I mean, that's like kind of uh, like Chris's story, right? Like he he got introduced to Chris Saka. He got introduced to um, gambling early, like via day trading, and he ran it up a lot and then lost a bunch. It was in a bunch of debt, and I think that gave him the the freedom to just like take high risk situations and not worry about it too much because he'd already been broke or or in debt or whatever. Um, and also, he was still young. I, I, that's like one of my biggest skills as a poker. I, and I'm actually kind of a nit with bankroll management now that I like have a really big bankroll. Like I will just sell in spots where I don't need to sell and stuff like that. And uh, but I think that in general, my my like one of my edges in poker in my life has been that um, I don't need like a ton of money to operate very happily. Um, mm-hmm. I, I used to like do a lot of traveling through their world countries, um, like Central America, a lot, like most winters for a few years of my life. And I lived very happily on very, very small amounts of money. I think one year when I was living in Costa Rica, I spent like twelve or $1,400 in the three months I was there. Um, I was living in like a hammock in a hostel, but, or I was sleeping in a hammock in a hostel, but I, I really liked it. So... That always kind of, whenever I play poker, when I would move up to higher stakes, uh, it wouldn't ever really affect my play very much, where I wouldn't, I would never worry about like, oh, I would lose this much money because like it was always an amount of money that was so far beyond what I needed to like live on. So at, at the very least, now I'm not saying I always made the best play that somebody would make in that spot, but that was for other reasons. But I would always make the play that I thought was the best, regardless of, you know, how high variance it was or how much I could lose or whatever. Um, and I always thought that that was probably one of my bigger strengths. Um, yeah. I've watched a lot of guys like at the final table in the main event in the last few years play really tight. And I think there's a few reasons for it. But I think part of it is like the ICM implications are just like so much higher than they should actually be because it's every jump is life changing money. And for me, I was able to just sort of like do everything that I thought was the best possible play because, uh, I mean, once I had won like a million, that was already like so much compared to what I needed that I was like, okay, let's just go for it. Um, and I do think that that's like a real factor for some people when they make the final table and I don't really blame them at all. That's a pretty crazy amount of money that you're playing for. Yeah. That's great that like you're really able to do that. I, I think I feel similarly for the stakes that I play in and the cash games that like, but again, it's it's very different than the main event file table money. Like, you know, I, I play with people regularly that probably make six figures plus a year, but will still get nervous as hell about losing five hundred bucks. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, for sure. So I I'm I don't get nervous when whatever making a couple thousand dollar bluffs. The 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 times that they do come up, not not very much. Um, but I could definitely see you know, like I somehow like a two five games becomes like a two five ten straddle game and the game is amazing and then i have like i don't know i run well and i have 20 25 percent of my bankroll on the line like 
uh-huh. it could be rational to you know it will it will often be rational to not take the highest ev line and i think <laughs> that will be compounded in a tournament like that like i'll know that i'm passing up ev to like make it a little bit higher of a chance that i make an extra eight hundred thousand dollars like i'm i'd take that any day so the the fact that like you at that in you know in 2012 were able to 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 have that attitude that yeah i think you're gonna have an edge over the vast majority of even you know smart studied professional players just because of you know how much that money will will change people's lives or be perceived to change people's lives yeah and it's funny because like at a year i might look at that and be like wow the difference between fourth and second is uh you know enough to invest in x amount of companies or do this or do that but my priorities were different then and are still pretty low um in terms of how much money i need so it was a nice thing to have at that period of time for sure um i do think like especially in cash games if you feel uncomfortable it's just like so detrimental to what's going on because i mean obviously if you're in a if you're in a game where you start straddling and the game's really good yeah that's I, it's totally understandable that you could be in a spot where you're like, oh crap, this is like really high variance. Um, I've actually kind of been in those spots before, but yeah, it's just like uh, it's just definitely one of like the more underrated skill sets, and and I think really it's just playing within your bankroll is uh, a really important thing to do for for yeah. a ton of reasons, but that's one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, Jesse. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, uh, sharing that hand and talking a little bit about uh what you're up to these days we really appreciate you having you on and look forward to you know hopefully doing it again if you get a cash game hand you know we'd love to have you on again and hopefully you know see you in vegas when we're out there uh come next summer yeah definitely i'm back in vegas now so i'll be playing more cash so i'll, I'll try to come up with some good hands and we could talk about and uh yeah definitely hit me up when you guys get out to vegas uh be awesome to see you cool okay uh, have a good one <laughs> yeah, yeah hey, thank you so much, lot, guys. That was really yeah. fun.